a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Dave X Media. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? Last time on My Cabbages, uh, our host recorded two episodes many, many moons ago. And then, the writers strike. But for a good reason. And then the actors strike. And it's been a very, very long time since our hosts have recorded an episode of their podcast. It may have just been a few weeks for y'all, but it's been a long time for us. And now, the long-awaited, for the hosts anyway, conclusion. Hi everybody, welcome to My Cabbages, an Avatar podcast. Uh, we've, we've, we took a big break there, uh, for a good cause. Um, yeah, again, to people on the outside, it's like, oh, they've, these bitches have been gone for over six, nine months now. This has yeah. been more than a little bit, but um... Yeah, we uh, started. We were we were aiming to come back. I think September was our original goal. So we started recording episodes in July to keep up a momentum and a backlog. And then here we are, and we are recording in November. So uh, July to November, those were the dark times. Uh, <laughs> but we are now coming out. We're seeing the light. I think our writers and soon actors have a deal um yep. it the ink is still drying um but you know what if our friends over at braving the elements uh are have enough confidence to state that they're coming back in january you know they've then copied us this whole time so boom. now it's our turn we're also coming back in january it's january let's go gauntlet picked <laughs> up cabbage thrown down and by this time, this episode will be wearing in February. So it's a move <laughs> Probably, point. yeah. But Let's be real. Anyways. But it's just, it'll back. be, it'll it'll be like, oh, the first episode where we're like, wow, we're so happy to be back. And then it'll be like, episode two is like, no big deal. And then episode three is like, wow, we're happy to be back. That's why. It's because <laughs> the, there's been a very long behind the scenes gap. Uh where we fun fact, um, and we'll, let's introduce our guest, uh, Josh from Super Scary. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Um, well, you, you haven't recorded with me in so long that you almost forgot my show name. I guess I did. I said uh, I will cut that out in post and make me sound smarter. <laughs> oh, can't but there take this bitch uh. nowhere. Oh, okay. Happened and. Uh, <laughs> No, no amount of editing will make it go away. Yeah. Unlike Doja Cat, um, you don't look better. You would with no hair. I love you with your hair, but although I don't know, Josh, I think you could pull off going bald. I think you could work <laughs> it both ways. Where is this going? I, yeah, I was, I was <laughs> like, idea where this started. <laughs> huh? Clearly, y'all haven't listened to uh, "Paint the Town Red" enough on TikTok. So no, no, I I got the 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 "Paint the Town Red" reference. I was like, yeah, "Where listen, is this?" Bitch, I, listen, bitch, I said what I said. Okay. <laughs> um, and oh we're all and we're all devils, little bad bitches, rebels. So yes. let's go. And yeah, Josh. Welcome back to the pod. We're so happy to have you. Yes. Wait, so I I was thinking about this the other day. I've I've obviously known you guys for about a year now, or a yeah. little over a year. Um, and we've <laughs> recorded a lot on my podcast, but I don't think I've been on Cabbages, have I? Is this my first time? Am I a virgin, a cabbage virgin? Or have I been on? 
I swear that you've been on before. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna feel like so shitty for not knowing this. This is how you know we've been away from our podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. so long, and I clearly am listening it to every single week in my my free time. Um, <laughs> we've we've just recorded so many episodes in our in real space without record like in our brains because we hang out with you all the time right well i i feel like i have a false memory of us recording for cabbages but i feel like i feel like you had to have been on for like a bonus episode Fuck. maybe i have to i have to look this up i can't just like us keep <laughs> rambling on our show without yeah no being, no like, no uh, i'll play the jeopardy music yeah, I for say a second that. <laughs> cue the jeopardy music had Sam, Jamie, Haley, end of your bonus, reclaiming the cabbage. We had uh, Avatar Hour podcast, Adel, Ray, Corny, Intern Pion. Oh my gosh, Josh, you've never been on for an episode of My Cabbages. Wow. <gasps> well, so now I'm going to play the, the like record scratch followed by the rewind. Uh, Josh, welcome to your very first episode of My Cabbages. We are so honored to finally have you on. This will not be your last. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, in all fairness, I think when I joined Deus Ex Media earlier in 2023, I think y'all were gearing up for the end of... Yeah, it was the last year. Yeah, I so I think y'all had... <laughs> you know guests on guests on guests you know mm. already scheduled and, so and we we love you but you don't outrank the cabbage guy i'm sorry hey i <laughs> i will gladly take second place to the cabbage man <laughs> um and it also we i think we had to have quite a few people on that we hadn't already had on like we had a backlog so you can tell oh, yeah. like end of season three book three we were balancing how can we have like you know people maybe from the show on and like outside guests but also all the people on Deus Ex Media that haven't been on the pod yet and oh, yeah. uh, we we had Ray and then we also have uh Sam and both of them had not been on yet so <laughs> which is wild to me uh that it took until season 3 to get Sam, Ray makes sense because uh, they didn't come on to the Eld- of the mm-hmm. eldest gods until like last year. Um, so, anyways, we're so happy you're here, Josh. Welcome, yeah. welcome, welcome. Yes. Well, I'm excited oh. to be here uh, specifically because I, I mean we'll get into it, but I do love Legend of Korra uh, for one character in particular. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, oh, don't you worry. We're both going to be simping for the same oh, the same boy yeah. this episode, Josh. Hell well, yeah. bef- <laughs> before we like dive into this episode, Josh, please share. We obviously know you at this point, and we are. So sorry, Cabbage Patch, that we haven't introduced this lovely person to y'all yet. That's right. But it yeah. is such a treat. Josh, please introduce yourself and your podcast and tell us about your relationship with Avatar and Cora. Absolutely. Um, hello, Cabbage Patch. I am Joshua. I am from the uh, Super Scary Podcast here on Deus Ex Media Network. Um, recently joined uh, by the uh, time the episode. Uh, this episode releases, I think it'll be almost a year since I've uh, been on the network. 
Um, but I cover uh, horror movies and um, kind of dabble in the sci-fi and superhero stuff as well. Um, I've had Alex and Zach on the show many of times. Uh, our first episode together was for Poltergeist, uh, where we had a fabulous time. And then, um, you know, you, y'all reference the, the actors and writers strike. I had a time trying to figure out what I was going to do. Um, but we made it work and did, uh, a 24 movies. So Alex was actually on the season to talk about The Witch, which was a fabulous episode if you want a place you to know, start. You know, low-key, one of my favorite movies uh, with one of my favorite people, one of my favorite podcasts of all time. Hell no yeah. way that could make a great episode. And um, no way. Not at all. <laughs> Absolutely. And you, know, and you know I love the episode when for weeks, maybe months after, I'm still sending and tagging uh, uh josh on tiktok and social media being like oh here's another fact about the witch that we didn't talk about in our episode <laughs> yeah. maybe we have to do a part two yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. M- <laughs> mc from uh tolkien about uh she and i do that a lot with um the haunting of hell house whenever we see something we'll just attack each other yeah. on social media I'm um, still not convinced I've spotted all the ghosts in that show. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's no a lot. Way. There's definitely a lot. Um, uh, but anyway, I, you know, I watched Avatar and Korra. Well, more Avatar, um, like, as it was releasing, I think I was still in, like, middle school when that oh, was. Oh, wee babe. Yeah. yeah, just a wee babe. Um, whenever Cora came out, I believe I was in college at the time. So I wasn't as, um, cause it, it came out in 2012, right? If I saw correctly. Yeah. I was um, also in college at the time. So mm-hmm. yeah. So, but I was too busy. Air this episode that we are talking about today aired in April of 2012. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So I think I, I guess I would have been. Spring semester of my sophomore year of college. Um, but yeah, I don't necessarily remember watching these as they released. I guess I just watched them like if I had cable, like on reruns or something. Like I don't <laughs> necessarily remember being that like invested in it like I was with Avatar. But um, you know, there's several characters in the show that I love. Um, and obviously this show has a lot of, um, representation for like, you know, the queer community. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, kind of going back through this show, we, my husband and I recently rewatched Avatar and Korra actually, you know, during the pandemic and such when it was re-released on Netflix and, uh, fun fact, uh, during our, uh, honeymoon in 2022 when we were in Orlando our um Airbnb had like uh Netflix already kind of included on their TV and we rewatched the entire Avatar series on our downtime <laughs> when we weren't uh partying at the gay clubs in Orlando but that's incredible um, yeah so we we rewatched and I think around that time you guys were wrapping up too so I was like kind of listening and um and watching uh throughout that yeah, time yeah, yeah. so i feel awesome. so honored that you listened <laughs> to our favorite show on your honeymoon when you also were like in disney <laughs> yeah. yeah that's incredible well, i mean you know paramount is also there so whatever yeah but um <laughs> 
that's yeah wow setting serious goals like babe when we eventually do our honeymoon if we don't watch avatar we're failing the cabbage patch (laughs) we are officially not as big of avatar fans as josh (laughs) it can't happen I, I think what I have learned from this is I think we should commit ourselves to watching nothing but non-Disney things while we're in the Disney parks yeah. in February. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it was just uh, that. Disney Plus is the only app that is allowed in the hotel. That's so crazy. In fact, I, this episode will probably be airing like a week before our trip. So we're getting yeah, yeah, ready we're, to go. Ooh. We're going to go to Disney. Yeah, I can't fucking wait, dude. Love that. Mm-hmm. Are you, go- you're going to the um Orlando one or the California? Or Orlando. Orlando. We're Orlando. Going to World. Yeah. Yep. It's mm-hmm. World, not land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going with um one of my besties from grad school, Allie. Her she's her and I are travel compadres. Love so, that. Yeah. She's going to run a marathon and Zach and I are going there to eat our weight and food in Epcot. So Oh, I love yeah. Oh, it's is it the, the marathon they have through the park, I assume, then? Yes. Yeah. Nice. She's yeah. only doing the half marathon. Um, but you know, I'm being supportive. I'm like, hey, if you wanna like go run a five K or something now between February, mm-hmm. I'm in. So yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that's how that's how what I'm doing to support her and getting ready. I'll bring a camp chair and my switch, <laughs> <laughs> and you'll make a little sign. Yeah, I'll make a little yeah. sign, and it'll have a cute little cartoon character on it because that's the one thing I'm fucking great at. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Well, this week we are talking about book one, air episode three, the revelation. Uh, in this week's episode, Mako and Bolin look for ways to attain the 30,000 yuans they need in order to be eligible to compete in the pro-bending tournament. Bolin accepts work from the triple threat triad and subsequently disappears. Korra and Mako go looking for Bolin and encounter the group of chi blockers who had kidnapped him, but the equalists flee. Korra and Mako later find out about an equalist rally and decide to attend. There, they learn many secrets about the Equalist and their leader, Amon, and rescue Bolin from his otherwise doomed fate. Uh, I'm Alex. And I'm Zach. And this is... My Cabbages! An Avatar podcast. The intro that we did now because we we forgot because it's been many mo- many moons. <laughs> oh, I I wanted to take this time at the top of the show to mention that uh, Alex and I probably mostly me as Alex gets more and more into uh, PhD thingies um, are streaming on Wednesdays. You should drop in uh, Twitch uh, Twitch TV. My Cabbage Cast is the name of the the of the Twitch stream. Link will be in the uh, description. Uh, we are on at on Wednesdays at usually nine o'clock Eastern. So stop by and say hi. And there's usually only like three or four people that show up. So if you show up and you t- want to talk to us, guess what? I- I'll respond because <laughs> you'll be one of the only people in the chat. So if you ever wanted to have like a one-on-one with a streamer, like Ooh. drop on by. <laughs>
Ooh, you're making a soap one on one. Minutes. Oh my god! I know. Listen, I'll light some candles. People pay big bucks for that. Uh huh. Well, I won't light candles because of the bird, but Alex will light candles, and <laughs> it's your gateway to OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> it's just next thing we know. It's like so. Next week we'll be doing a hot tub stream. Oh, <laughs> that's like a thing on Twitch. Yeah. A lot of people do hot tub streams as a way to like. Sit in a hot tub for two hours and get a bunch of donations and show the goods. Hey. Nothing wrong with that. Maybe that's what uh, Boland should have done in in this episode, eh? That's what I'm Whoa, saying. <laughs> let's Whoa, talk, let's talk about that, y'all. So we have this awesome episode. And you tell me there aren't strip clubs in Republic City? I mean, come on. Boland would be a natural. There are 100% uh, strip clubs <laughs> in... The this is the kind of thing that like because avatar has always been like a children's property we just we have we get absolutely no world building into the the concept of like sex or or um adults drugs uh, or drinking uh, adult oriented things yeah drugs drinking are there drugs that make bending more powerful probably but we'll, we'll never hear about them because like you know they don't want to. They don't want to put like an analog for amphetamines in the. That's <laughs> really. Universe. That's actually really fucking interesting though, because like you know, you, there's documentaries and all of this theories about throughout different periods of wartime that right. how drugs was like look at the Nazis and you know amphetamines and uh like uh not necessarily wartime but like absinthe and the scare that it created for the artists and uh Paris and like the late. 1800s early 1900s yeah i mean it's it's definitely something that's an interesting theory and i want to explore that more there has to be a fan fiction i'm just saying you can't tell me those air nomads weren't weren't token on something to help them get to the spirit world (laughs) a little easier okay i mean we know iroh is (laughs) more than just tea leaves yeah (laughs) yeah yeah something had to be in his tea to keep him that calm in the fire nation god damn no yeah absolutely all you need is some calming jasmine. <laughs> calming in quotations. Right. This first scene opens up and I'm immediately just like, boy, is this relevant to me as an adult? As a kid, I was like, oh no, Mako and Bolt, how are they going to raise them? But like, af- like Mako getting paid and then watching literally as the stack physically diminishes before his eyes is like, how I feel every single month of my life. Yeah, the bookie just comes and is like, yeah, their yeah. bookie agent is like, oh, and you need off money for Cora's costume and her training and the <laughs> previous entry fee and my 10% cut and your rent and oh, that's the last of it. Sorry, boys. <laughs> I- idea. Trademark my cabbages. Listen, sharks, have you ever wanted <laughs> to keep track of your finances in a way that makes practical sense? Introducing Big Stack of Money. You see, I have a little image on my browser that looks like a big stack of money that's tied to my bank account. And it lowers in real time as I expend that money. <laughs> I feel it's like actually I would... not a bad idea. I know, I was just thinking, I was like, that's actually a fun idea. And then one of the sharks would be like, um, this is too depressing, I'm out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, listen, I, I just, um, it doesn't apply to me because, like, I would lose a million dollars and the stack would, like, do that. So, I'm, um, you know, literally down, like, a centimeter. I really appreciate the writers and showrunners here, like, you know, we're immersed in the world very clearly. Republic City and the time that we're in draws from, like, 1920s 
uh, I would say, arguably America. Uh-huh. Um, sure. So, like yeah. all the Art Deco and the organized crime and just like the stark differences in wealth and class. Um, and so here we're um, getting to see the capitalist system grind the poor people further into the dirt. Uh, so yeah, great, um, authentic feelings, uh, for what it's like to be, like, not only an adult, but just a functioning person trying to make it by in 2023. Oh, God, yeah. In, yeah. In 1920, the population of, uh, New York was around 5.6 million, which I think is probably a pretty good estimate for a public city. Yeah, I mean, we definitely know, or at least it's speculated on the wiki in in the fan circles that republic city has a population in the millions mm-hmm. but I, now this begs the question we're all trying to like make it and we now realize that our poor boys can't get into the tournament yeah. the pro bending tournament so what would uh what would we do to raise <laughs> a thirty thousand yuan well but, but what would your plan be Right before that, I wanted to point out that, like, it feels like if this were a 1990s, like, sitcom, they'd be like, oh, no, how are we going to raise the money for the tournament? And then they'd walk by some flyer with, like, talent show, award, exact amount of money that they need to enter. And they'd be (laughs) like, oh, man, now we got to figure out what our act is. And uh, hijinks ensue. Yeah. Um, But how would we raise the money? Interesting. Josh, putting you on the spot. Oh, um, let's see. What would what would thirty thousand yuan be in like today's money? Has there any Ooh. been kind of like a conversion for that? But I don't um, even know. I think like yuan is a fake currency, so don't know if. And plus, we're talking about uh, I don't know what the convert currency would be. Damn, that's a great shit post presentation. Um. Uh, yeah, the revelation again. I had a thought. Butaka tells the fire ferrets they need to come up with thirty thousand yuans in a week to be able to compete in the compete in the tournament. What is the value of thirty thousand yuans? Anyone have any ideas? I've googled around and couldn't find much uh, about what the value could be in U.S. dollars. Um, Let's just say it's a dollar to dollar. Yeah. No, it's there's a um, one kebab on the ladies' cart in the first episode costs twenty yuans. Okay. Which perfect. I, I think we can. Yeah, I think that what this first comment here like breaks down is that it's maybe like six to eight yuans per dollar oh okay okay so, which so 30 thousand yuans is still a fuckload of money so if you divide thirty thousand by six that's like five thousand dollars so let's okay. assume we have to raise five grand okay that seems so excessive yeah but i guess like if you're you know if you're like a big shot like professionally sponsored team that's probably like not much money yeah but we also have to adjust it to inflation. It's so, like getting a it's like getting a band-aid without like, insurance. I actually think it would be more um cuz let's look at it in an inflation calculator. So Well, but well, I mean, I mean, you know, I think that this calculation here was done. It, it was not like it was calculated for a 1920s dollar. Like it was calculated for today. Like 20, 20 yuans is like, okay, okay, how much is it? Would a kebab be like four or five bucks? Like that's how they did the conversion, I think. All right. So there's like, there's no need to like, you know, put it through a. All right. I still think this bear, it's a, a bonus episode and we get some sure. economists in here and get their take. Oh, yeah. We need to do that. 
we should like take a few different like and maybe the avatar world and a few other worlds with currency and like figure that shit out yeah pokemon is totally on the list well okay three hundred dollars is like an entire like team rocket salary for a month that's crazy (laughs) anyway i already Um, figured out how to do it calculate it in pokemon world because in the episode of the saint anne where they're getting on and like yeah. after i think it's like pewter city or whatever to like the the magic arp is like episode four or five it's like it, really in the, really close to the beginning no it's it's a few episodes later than that but okay. it's still early and like they get on the saint anne and james like sees this fucking magic harp and is like oh my god we have to have it it's the rarest fish it's gonna solve all our problems <laughs> and they have the amount that he pays for the magic harp and then later in the episode when Jamie or Jesse is like, how much did you pay for this? And it's like, well, I yeah. may have had to ask for an advance on my salary and your salary for the next, like, however much time. So yeah. through those, there is a way to calculate yeah. how much, like, it would cost or, like, how much wages they make uh, for Team Rocket by extension. How much a uh, single Pokemon dollar costs in regular dollars? I will say before we get off this topic because we do have to move on from the Avatar <laughs> that um, that Team Rocket is very likely a, a cult in the way that it like it probably doesn't pay much to its people, but it probably like clothes and feeds them and calls that like part hmm. of their payment or whatever. Yeah, that that that's very correct. Are they yeah. a cult? I don't know. I think maybe um, Team Rocket is more of a co-op model, so they're all like <laughs> worker employees. They all have yeah, like yeah, yeah. a stake in the business, but uh, it's not a very profitable business. No. So they make peanuts. <laughs> you see, the trick is that if if Jesse and James just focused on getting a few people signed on to their downline, then you know they could <laughs> yeah. uh, hunbot their way to the top of the of the triangular um, structure. What is that called again? Uh, it's a th- three three dimensional triangular a pyra- pyramid. Pyramid scheme. <laughs> Scheme. I didn't say the word scheme. I don't know what you're talking about. Marketing business. Right. Not that does not a pyramid scheme make. Thank you. And also, if we cannot see, Jesse and James are hashtag boss babes that <laughs> have taken control of their lives. They make their own schedules and they're able to like travel the world looking for exotic <laughs> rare creatures and like, No, just the just a Pikachu. Just a single Pikachu. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, welcome back to the uh, the, right. the Team Rocket fan fan podcast. Yeah. Um, welcome to Rocket Cast. Uh, yeah, the newest. Yeah. Um, no. Um. But what, what would uh, we what would we do? So we've established it's about five grand. What would we okay. do to raise this money? I'm standing outside in a busy town square with like a notepad, and I'm drawing furry porn <laughs> people. Listen, furry porn is always profitable. No matter what universe you go to, furry porn is going to be profitable. I'm sorry. It's just how it works. Hey, that that is very true. (laughs) Um, I, what would I do? Um, let's just say hypothetically that I am Bolin in this universe. I probably would seek out some sort of... I don't know, maybe a strip club or maybe um, if I didn't want to go that route, like one of those art 
um, places that's like a, a sip and paint, and they're like painting a nude, um, yeah, a, a nude model. And I would just oh, do that. you're gonna you're gonna model yourself out, yeah. in, the, in the art world. Yeah. I feel like that there would be some, especially in Republic City. There's got to be a, a high art scene. Fuck yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's gotta for be sure. like a niche. There, for that. Okay, no. There's, there's as big of a high art scene as there is a seedy porn scene. That's why I'm drawing furry art and making a fortune. <laughs> so you're, but okay, you're catering to the common man or common person, Zach. Uh, I think that Josh and Bolin clearly have like uh, something that other people want. And uh, something tells me that. If I know anything about rich people and other figurative worlds, even our world, is that they're all uh, sick, twisted fucks who really like to get their knocks off in interesting ways. And I think that Bolin could make a lot of money curating to those specific interests. Yeah. Yeah. Or Bolin could just find, like, a sugar daddy. Or sugar mama, yeah, right. you know, depending on how he identifies. Ma- but like, where, <laughs> Mako's like, "Where is Bolin?" And like, they, like, there's the scene where they're like, they dr- they they ride up to the to his hang spot and like glance over in the alley and they see like Bolin over there with like a, a boa and like lipstick on and he's like, "Hey, <laughs> like, he want to be in an, you, you, a back seedy alley. You want to have like, a good time in a, in a nice bar? Yeah, no, you're swanky right. Hotel. You're right. But then again, he does in this the is, episode. I, this is again like we don't get any world building on this. Like, what is sex work like in this in this world? Is it frowned upon? Is it like no. accepted in society? Like, I don't think it's frowned upon at all. You don't think so? Mm-mm. Well, the you think they have brothels I think, I mean, in Republic City? I think that it's underground. Like, if we're how if depending on how much we're pulling from the 1920s aesthetic, like. I am also going to assume the reason we conveniently don't see alcohol is because it's prohibited. Mm. Um, and that's another thing about the organized crime that is like spiked up. Um, cause that's what led to the organized crime in the twenties was prohibition. So yeah, I think the triple threat triads and all of these other CD organizations, um, while they don't get into specifics, um, there's definitely drugs involved. <laughs> the, like the, these conversations are exactly why we are kryptonite to literally anyone actually associated with the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. When uh, I forgot the guy's name that approaches Bolin in the street, but it's the, the way he kind of approaches Bolin about uh, providing security for the triple threat triad. It's kind of like, giving that um uh well i don't know if either of you know who may west is but she's like yeah uh, like come up and see me sometime you know like the very uh-huh. and it is very like i think she was in the 1930s and 40s like and it is that kind of like 1920s aesthetic right of like like i'm flirting with you but you you don't really you don't really realize it <laughs> yeah no yeah, yeah. i totally yes big may west vibes good mm-hmm. poll I... It's like he shows up and drops the cash in, and he's like, "Listen, your body is built like a brick shit house. You want to come with me?" <laughs> I'm like, "I'm like, is he whoring him out? Like, is he giving him an yeah, advance? Right. Like, <laughs> hit the, well, put the money on the dresser and hit the door? Like, 
I think it's, I mean, they definitely say, like, so, you know, we talked about our how we're trying to raise the money. Like, Cora and Mako, they go off on their own thing. But Lynn tries to rally and find money for the Yuan, like, or, like, tries to get Yuan for the tournament. And his solution is sitting in the main square, like, doing a little circus act with Pabu, which, don't get me wrong, 100% adorable. Yes. Um, but, uh... <laughs> Then when he's approached by this triple threat triad guy, he mentions, like, there's going to be an event, like, all the other, um, um, I'm not going to call them gangs. We will call them the other associations in the town are all getting together. Organized crime syndicates. There's going to be some type of big event that needs some extra security. So I think maybe... That implies that maybe Bolin and Mako used to, like, be muscle for these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, Mako says later in the episode that Mako specifically was the accountant for them. But okay. but Bolin, um, it's implied, like you said, that he was more of a, a muscle man. Uh, appropriate. Oh, my baby. Um, <laughs> also, if no one has... Um, uh can tell by the way i'm talking about bolin i love this man so much yes. um, well why don't we have a little side tangent for Josh's, a minute uh official cora husband yeah. well why, um tell us why you love bolin so much josh well do you have three hours um in the yeah, right, right in this audio this, essay this i will I vlog, <laughs> a future bonus episode yeah, yeah, yeah. about this very hi topic. welcome Welcome to Thirstcast, a podcast <laughs> where we just talk about characters we're, we're simping for. Oh my god, uh, we honestly? We give you three hours, but we will give you three minutes. Yeah, okay. You okay, great. Um, audio essay. Yeah, this audio essay, I will. Um, no, but I, I mean, Bolin, I, I mean, this show in general has a lot of, um, like I said before, like queer representation. Um, Bolin is not queer in the show, but... Uh, I feel like since the pandemic, I've seen a lot of, um, uh, specifically, uh, queer identifying artists and, uh, queer social media influencers, um, have really, uh, kind of taken claim to Bolin and his aesthetic, uh, which is very himbo-esque. Think, you know, mm-hmm. um, Freddie from Scooby-Doo. Think, uh, I'm trying to think of another... Him Johnny though. Bravo. Oh yeah, Johnny Bravo is a good example. Yeah, like anything like Kronk. that. Kronk. Yes. Yes. Uh, Zach came prepared. I love that. Um, yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm a himbologist. Okay. Love that. A, a himbologist. A himbologist. <laughs> himbologist. Oh my god. Himbology. Have you tried setting it to, to himbo? himbo? <laughs> the study of himbology. Himbology. It's first grade SpongeBob. <laughs> Larry the Lobster, another great example. Oh, yes. Um, but yeah, all of that to say that, you know, as a gay man, I thoroughly love uh, anyone that identifies as a himbo. And Bolin in particular, I don't know what it is about Bolin specifically. He just has that, like, je ne sais quoi. Like, he's just so yeah, well, adorable. He's, and he's a, he's a big buff, like boy in the in all the ways that like a himbo needs to be but like it also feels like you know he's he's actually quite smart and sensitive and like has quite a bit of emotional intelligence and he is yeah. not afraid to like cry when he is sad yeah and like 
also he's not like i i think this is another reason like he's not like super buff in the way that like he has abs and you know he has like mm-hmm. a thin stature but like he, rocking the dad bod literally he's thick, yeah ka. he's got the double c's literally he's thick ka. yeah so um i think that's why i kind of gravitate to him because i don't really have his body type but it's achievable you know what i mean it's like one of those that you could easily achieve but um you know what uh respectfully tina uses cora as her her back and arms like as her gym so Uh i love that everyone just looks to this show (laughs) for that to find that inner strength and fire within themselves right (laughs) do you think if like if bolin was gay and like going to clubs and stuff like what would the term be? Would it be, would they call him a bear or would they call him like a badger oh. bear or something? Oh. Cause it's like a, that's hmm. avatar. <laughs> they are bears, but like yeah. they're very rare. So like, is it, Oh, uh, he's a, he's beautiful. Like, like you call him a unicorn almost like, <laughs> uh, he's a bear. Like it's like just bear, not badger bear. No. Yeah. He's, he's a bear. Yeah. He's, just bear. Well, he's all bear all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> um, well in a, in a, in, real life gay terms quote unquote um there's a thing called otter which is like in between a bear and a twink i guess They're yeah ca- you know so i think that's actually a great way to describe otters i've never heard it so succinctly described yeah <laughs> it's a midpoint it's like you know? yeah it's like a middle point between the two so i think he kind it's of like if, falls if, uh, in that. if twinks are pidgey and bears are pidgeotto then we got pidgey out right there the yes middle. yes or not, not Pidgeotto. The reverse the last two, you know. What I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I think he would fall under that, and he would definitely wear the neck tuck costume like any time he went out to the club. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like every every Republic City Pride. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um. Uh, but anyway, that's why I love Bolin so much. I love you. I love Bolin. That was he wonderful. would also be doing constant thirst trap TikToks in that. Uh, oh, absolutely! In that Nucktuck costume, I literally think that's if we were just you know a few years further into the, the future, and there were technology like the internet or smartphones or some form of social media, like totally, Bolin would have been able to monetize himself, and he would have had that five thousand yuan in one day. <laughs> oh yeah. No, pro- no problem. I mean, he would have. He would have first. First thing he would have done was is he would have given. Um, he would have given Pabu like his own page, yeah. right? His <laughs> own Pabu would have his own account, and it would just be posts of Pabu doing cute things, and that alone would go viral. Um, let's be real. Um, Pabu wouldn't have his own post. Pabu would have his own account. <laughs> um, what is Bolin's? Um, social media handle oh what would his handle be um yeah his sexy handle um, or what would his like sex work name be it would be rock and bod oh that's a good one because of rocks because of earth well spoiler alert uh later in the series he uh is a lava bender right so like he could probably Uh, once he gets to that point he could probably change it to something like that like um I was, it was funny, we were watching this episode, and at one point I turned to Alex, I was like, you know what, 
Josh could pull off a sexy bowling <laughs> if he wanted to. You could, Josh, you could totally pull off an amazing bowling. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, I, I think for Halloween, I was going to try to do the Nuck Tuck costume. I just hadn't had enough time or the, like the materials to get that together. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, it's honestly, a year. like if I start now, you know. Well, which you should be. Are you (laughs) telling me that you're not a normal person that doesn't start thinking about their Halloween costume in February? (laughs) Well, I as as the person of a that runs a whole you know horror themed podcast, I would think that you and I are on the same page about yeah. You know, uh, there's two different types of people in this world. Uh, It's the day after. 364 days <laughs> until Halloween, <laughs> or um, it's it's Christmas. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I de- that's definitely something that I always have in the back of my mind of like trying to cobble to that together. Um, and speaking of that, there is like two um two TikTokers specifically that I follow that look very much uh like Bolin and uh one it, it well I, I'll say both of them on here that way and I'll send you guys some links if you want to check them out. But um one is uh Cold Diamond. Um he does have uh spicy content if you're into that and is a cosplayer that does that. Um so uh that's part of the reason why I follow him. Um and he has both <laughs> well both of these TikTokers have the earth bending costume and the Nuktuk costume. Um and they both look great at it. So one is Cole Diamond and the other one is I believe it's Lamb Chopped with a T on the end. Um and mm. both of them, in their own ways, look like Bolin, like real life Bolin, and l- love it so much. But there, there's quite a few people that can pull it off. Um, so that's uh, part of the reason. Spoiler, yeah. <laughs> one of them. Yeah. My my inspo, mm-hmm. my real life inspo. Um, but anyway, you're. Your himbo right. inspo. Himspo. himspo. <laughs> Hashtag himspo. But yeah, so... Uh, God, the fucking... The shitty maniverse would co-opt that <laughs> hashtag in a second. Make it about being a manly, toxically right. masculine man. Well, oh, sorry. I was just going to say one more thing about Bolin and the, the himbofication of him. Um, he... When they get the money from uh, the guy that's running the tournament and he takes it all away, the last line that the guy says is like, oh, and um, and a grocery allowance or something like that. And and everybody looks at Bolin oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's <laughs> like, oh, well, I, why? I'm a growing boy. And he's... And he's like rubbing his I'm stomach and I'm boy. like, oh my god, that's so himbo-coded. Uh, <laughs> and it's like hair is so iconic like i don't know how he gets it like he just has that little like um what's it called alfalfa thing like that tuff of hair in the back that's like just so perfectly quaffed yeah. and he has the little like thing down in his face Ugh. anyway <laughs> uh, he's just such a cutie i mean he's do you adorable need to take, do you need to take i a think minute? i need to take a cold shower <laughs> or maybe 
Yeah, yeah honestly, probably. <laughs> Josh yeah, is like, it's, it's, it's a little hot else, in here. It's, 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 it's a little, a little sweaty. sweaty. You're yeah, thirst trapping yourself. <laughs> um, well, as after Bolin finally accepts, like, you know, he's like, oh, I probably shouldn't. You know, I'm trying to turn over a new leaf and, like, Mako told me to stay away from the triads and then uh yeah. you know uh sugar daddy just throws a whole like stack of 30,000 yuan NBD right into his uh handling tin and is like just like grabs fuck. like Bolin by the by the by the belt just like <laughs> stuffs the the money like into his belt <laughs> And he's like, all right, let's Listen, go. Listen, all you gotta do is shake your ass a little. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, which, you know, speaks a lot to their situation that he can be swayed. But then we cut to Mako, who is looks to be in, like, some type of mm. industrial factory. He is lightning bending. And, you know, it's, like, the end of the day. And, like, a sh- it's the end of the shift. So we see, you know, in just, like, 30, or not 30, like, three seconds, like, a very small um glimpse but tells us so much um about the world and every shot is so purposeful to show but then he like cuts to their house and was like hey i found some good work at the factory and like you know we might be able to maybe make this happen and yeah and bolin's gone so this (laughs) is like the first indication that uh mako thinks something's up um but we also get um a sense of like more of their background and their and their story and how you know money has always been an issue for them and they would resort to like any means necessary you know to to keep it going which is how they're involved with the triads in uh the first place um and i also think it's really interesting that even you know and this is something that will unfold we don't want to get into too much because we don't want to spoil you know a lot too much of the, the season as it goes on but uh, we see this later in this episode, kind of like this dichotomy between the equalists and the norm and benders, and how like, and from their perspective, and obviously there are some disparities in terms of their experience and how they're treated in society, and how things appear to be so much easier for benders, and like all of the wars have been caused by somehow involved with yeah. bending, and, uh, mm-hmm. and but <laughs> even within benders, like you know, we see the stark reality. So, like, even though Mako and Bolin are benders, it, like, things are still super tough for them. And, like, poverty and hunger and, uh, like, blue collar, like, all of these elements are still, like, it doesn't, yeah. for them, uh, bending hasn't helped. And so I, I wonder if that's something that we'll get to see more of or, like, a comment on on that, on how, like, well, it's, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, I would, I would point at like either like, you know, members of my gender or uh, uh, people that are particularly like set in their ways as um, uh, uh, white people that um, sometimes uh, people will say things like, well, I don't get what institutional privilege is all about. I'm a white man and I have been single my whole life and have been homeless. And, and that, uh, those things obviously didn't help me at all. And it's like, you know, as a way to sort of use their experience or the experience of someone they know as like a blanket statement for, 
what is much more involved with like statistics and probability and things like that. Um, and obviously, you know, there are going to be individuals of every walk of life that suffer. Uh, what, what, what I really love about the show is that like, it feels like all throughout Avatar, there were a lot of things that were very carefully considered world building wise that led to other constructions. Right. And at some point it feels like in the writer's room, somebody was just like, so what does like every single person in this world just have like crazy elemental powers. It's some just don't want to like train them or whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. Some, some people just aren't, just aren't benders. There's just a big portion of the population. Just, they just don't bend. Oh, okay. And then they just moved on. But it's like, this show takes that little note that like, they didn't really delve into and go, but let's unpack that a little bit. Let's in a world focused on every major war, every major conflict, every major sport or attention grabbing thing with the avatar and whatever, all of it is focused on bending. How would you feel if you lived in a world like that and you didn't get your fucking Hogwarts letter? You didn't get your <laughs> elemental powers. Like, it would suck. It, I would feel I would feel awful if I lived in a world full of elemental powers and I didn't get any. I mean, I'd feel ripped off. And I'm glad someone is like, hey, what about yeah. those people? Yeah. I think, that, I think it is a very... I, I feel like Avatar as a whole, including this show, has always... Um, hasn't been afraid to really kind of talk about social issues or political type issues. And the, and this show mm -hmm. in particular really kind of dives deeper into that. And that also kind of plays into the whole, um, you know, kind of looking into um, the queer perspective. And um, I think they also kind of dabble in... Um, talking about like race and that type of thing in this show too. Yeah. yeah. Um, lots of, yeah. Lots of inequality. Yeah. Class. class yeah. Inequality, all that yeah. stuff is being considered. Yeah. The intersection of all of these things and how like, you know, certain people are able to wear or choose what parts of their identity or their experience um, they choose to identify with in a particular right. group or period of time, you know? So, whereas um, for other people, like, no, like, I have to code switch in order to, like, right. just survive. And, like, that is just, like, you know, part. Wherein, like, when, and then the one, you know, you, you for, like, the, the white person first learns, like, that they're, you know, black friends or, like, another friend of color you know, acts differently around them when, then when they're like, actually, then they go home to dinner with their friend's family. And it's like a completely different situation. <laughs> like, Oh, this is like, why are you acting differently? Why are you talking differently? And like, they just, it's a something that privilege kind of shelters. Yeah. From. And oh, sorry. Wait. Go ahead. oh, I was just going to say yeah. um, that, uh, like I can kind of relate to what, um, uh, Alex was just talking about because uh, Frank is uh, is uh, Peruvian, so I I kind of had to learn. Yeah, my husband, Josh's husband. Um, <laughs> I have a tendency to be like my husband Frank, and it's usually like people that already know who he is. So um, anyway, um, yeah. yeah. So my my husband is Peruvian, um, and I've been slowly learning Spanish over the years. But when we first started dating i didn't quite understand uh 
you know, white privilege. And so whenever he was kind of educating me on it and being like, well, you know, my family, like we didn't really have the same opportunities that maybe you had. And, you know, I was very like defensive about it. Um, right. It's, it's so easy. I feel for right. people to get defensive, about right. it. it's the biggest and, problem. You know, I, my family also had their issues, um, you know, as I was growing up, but like, kind of comparatively looking at it and like hearing Frank's stories and like actually listening instead of being like so defensive about my own experience. I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. well, okay. Now I understand. And it took a while for me to kind of break that. Um, so yeah. And that's why, well, it, that's why white supremacy is so yeah. insidious. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's just, the, it's the worst because it's like when you realize that like, society is so insidiously built around you as a person of privilege, not Mm -hmm. having to see that other stuff or notice it that it's like, it's almost like being unplugged from the fucking matrix in a way. It like, like it, it is, it is what it, it, and at least for me, what it comes down to for me is, you know, listening to someone talk about how society is sort of hostile to their existence has nothing to do with me right. as a person and it has nothing to do with who I am or how I may have may or may not have benefited from this like society. It is not issuing a moral statement on me as a person. And that is just something you have to always keep in mind when listening to this stuff is it's like, I know that even though you're talking about something that like helps m- me and hurts you that you're not exactly. like blaming me yeah. for it, you know? And in a lot of ways, we can kind of segue into the fact that, you know, the equalists, you can really kind of tell that there's a V for Vendetta um, influence on uh, (laughs) the way that they're set up. And, you know, kind of obviously the masked uh, leader, um, Anon, is very similar in style, kind of in almost, I I believe they uh, designed that mask off of... um, uh, Chinese and Korean influences, if I read correctly, but, um, but it mm. is a very, like, you can clearly see where the influence is coming from. And it kind of yeah. has like a kabuki. Yes. Like, big kabuki, like almost like the, the blue mm, spirit. Yeah. Episode. Uh-huh. Or not, not just episode, yeah. but the whole character. So you can definitely see like the influence from, from that and from V for Vendetta. And, you know, mm-hmm. V was more of a, like, morally ambiguous, so you couldn't really tell what side he was on. But, like, this is very clear, like, where they're at. Like, non-benders are yeah. supreme. Um, it's also kind of giving, mm-hmm. you know, mutants versus humans from the X-Men, um, you know, the X-Men universe, yeah. if you're familiar with that, um, from Marvel Comics. Um, That's a so it's kind of a very similar uh, struggle of like these superpowered beings we're trying to oppress them because they're different and we don't fully understand but also like they're better than us quote unquote in the way that they have powers that we don't right. have you know and obviously you know we're going to see more throughout this season what the equalists are about and you know Amon as a character and his motivations and how it 
plays into like the larger or like socio socio political context of the world. Um, mm-hmm. And what- and history is decided by the victors, right? Mm. A terrorist group in uh, on uh, in one country is a group like a struggling group of freedom fighters in another, like right, right, perspective sure. wise. Yeah, but one thing one thing that you know, going back to what I was saying earlier about how it do- even for we see in this episode that you know up until this point we've pi- kind of been following Cora and her story and her experience the avatar and you know she's now living on Air Temple Island with her uncle and um well not her uncle but her <laughs> with Aang and Tenzin and all that and so you know she's kind of we haven't really even though she got here and she had no money and she had to like struggle a little bit we re- overall she's been pretty cushy and now we're seeing this other side of you know oh it's still a struggle for benders um there is still like these other issues but i hope that as the season goes on that we get a little bit more as to how amon was able to divide um like to make like bending like the central part of their identity that mm-hmm. supersedes all these other things. Like there right. are still benders that are poor that experience, you know, workplace abuses and like still have to struggle that are still starving that are still put down yeah. by their, by their government. Like how was it that they like were able to take that aspect of identity? We see it in our world, right? There's like so many other yeah. examples, but I want to see that is something moving forward that I want to see more of is mm-hmm. like that, um you know that conniving and like that um that headspace that Amon is in and like the the literal behind the scenes of making a movement um because capitalism extorts yeah. all of us <laughs> yeah what I, what I want to say right before we get off this topic and we're about to we're going to wrap I think soonish but we'll talk about the ending uh for a little bit here but what I like about this show, and I think that a lot of people will will see kind of shows like this, and they'll they'll use words like preachy, mm. right? And I think when people say something is preachy, what they really mean is like, I'm frustrated that this story isn't about the characters and the world that we're talking about. That it's actually about this other thing. That's like, you know, a, a thing in our world. That this thing is just a tool for representing. I think that in this show, a, a smart thing that they have done is they haven't gone out of their way to be like, oh, this like prejudice against benders, this is racism, or this is like anti-feminism, or whatever the the movement is, like this is fascism. Like they don't come out of their way to like make a direct correlation. They just sort of have social issues in their world and they let those social issues speak for themselves and they let people make their yeah. own connections. Uh, in a way that, like, is just because this world is relatable to our own, it's going to have a lot of similar problems. And so those problems are explored in the context of this world. And it is a, it just goes without saying that people are going to extrapolate those however they want to. Sure, they're going to extrapolate. But also, like, when you are very, so, like, it is not subtle at all how much that this world is in, drawn from and inspired by not just, like, 
our like aspects of our world, but specifically the 1920s. Like, you know, yeah, we're sure. looking at the art deco mm-hmm. aesthetics. We're looking at like the, the social, yeah, social political issues that were happening that uh, with class that they're bringing to the forefront and the technology and like, just look at the cars and like the long like thing and like, sure. you know, look at, uh, like the, the Hollywood thing. Like when we get into it later with Nuktuk and Varick and yeah, there, when you're drawing so right. much from this, Universal ailments of a growing society. You have to make connections. Sure. I'm saying that, like, people are going to make connections. The show doesn't go out of its way to do yeah. that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Sure. And I think that that's a, that's a fair thing to, yeah. to, to comment on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, oh, I was just going to say one quick thing. I think, um, you know, nowadays especially, like, everybody kind of uses the term woke, and that's type of criticism <laughs> towards certain shows. Like yeah, culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more specifically woke in the sense of like creating characters to fill like what the criticism is Quotas. specifically, I think from this show <clears throat> is that they made Cora bisexual or, you know, a queer identifying person and that, you know, they just did that to do that to kind of, you know, appease the lgbtq plus community and i feel like this show is one of the earliest um that kind of received that criticism because now it's like even times 10 with like marvel and like um and star wars to a certain extent like since they were acquired by disney they're like oh they they've wokeified these these properties and it's like well no like these people like are which is ridiculous right because (laughs) like it's which is what it's ridiculous to me because it's like, oh, by wokeified, they mean they put in one cutaway shot that is easy to clip off for uh, international yeah. audiences. Like, you know, they, they sprinkle in little queer baits here and there that don't actually exactly. amount to anything substantial in the plot. Yeah. And all of these issues and, you know, I love that with this show, we can take a step back and not only talking about the issues that are explicitly or not as explicitly discussed, like, as, like, a medium, but also, like, what the show meant for us and our world and, like, large society at large. So that's definitely something um, in a bonus episode uh, that <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm working on, which may or may not have released by the time this comes out already. Hopefully it has. Um, but looking at what Legend of Korra, like, as a show meant in the, like, timeline or the pantheon of, like, you know, queer map, queer what representation in media, um, mm. and like how it kind of was an inflection yeah. point. Um, so I, I, it, it really raises um a lot of key issues, and in this day and age, you know, like to your point about uh other relationships, like we don't get that backlash right when we see like Disney movies that like like you know that are shoved down our throats as children with that depict like overtly heterosexual like mm-hmm. white cis relationships and it's like okay that's great but like you know we're not like banning that's those not the real world well, it's not just the real world but we're also like not banning those stories right it's only when we bring up because even stories that feature gay characters that may not be explicitly about sexuality just because it has a gay character that that media or book literature whatever gets labeled 
as sexually explicit and it's but the same thing isn't happening for like hetero like normative pieces yeah of media. so right uh, uh, but i'm a cheerleader is the most tame and like completely 100 percent like not filthy or explicit in any way r-rated movie i've ever seen <laughs> like that movie absolutely does not deserve an r rating like like a, a guy like flexes his booty in shorts and like girls kiss. Are you yeah. kidding me? Seriously? <laughs> anyway, um, well, what I was gonna uh, this reminds me of a I saw a YouTube video recently where a guy went to like a town hall, like a book burn, like a book banning town hall, and like trolled a big like tro- trolled the whole <laughs> the whole thing by being like you know. Uh, God, uh, uh, it's like what five or six percent of the population is gay, and he's like, "That's one in." I don't, I don't remember what what percentage he gave, but he's like, "That that comes out to like one in thirteen people." So, if any of these books have more than thirteen characters, I mean, chances are one of them are gay. You gotta gotta ban that book too, right? <laughs> Game of Thrones, more than or not Game of Thrones, like you know. Classic examples where he's like, "Oh, Tom Sawyer, yeah. more than thirteen characters." Oh my god, gotta ban it. Yeah, and actually, it's and actually, it's even like less pronounced than that. And I could go into like a whole, um, or like how that's an underestimate, and I can go on a yeah. whole tangent yeah. about uh, like data and like uh, queer representation and and surveys and like population based. But you know, oh, that I'll get off. I'll get off my uh, public health soapbox just to say that. You know, the latest surveys are even saying like 10% of the population, and that is a underestimate A. And then when you look at generational differences, like, you know, Gen, like, uh, X is like around that like 5, 6%, like millennials, like hovering around like 10 to 15. And then for like Gen or for Zoomers, uh, it's, yeah. Literally, like, 15, it's, 20 plus percent. It's like if the Nazis had showed up to the ghettos and, like, answered the door and been like, if you are, if you identify as Jewish, we are going to arrest you and take you into a, like, truck and send you on a train to a to a camp. Are you Jewish? And then, like, if they did that, they'd walk away from the ghetto going, wow, nobody in that whole ghetto was Jewish. How about that? That's crazy that nobody would identify as Jewish if we're threatening to haul <laughs> them off. So it's like, yeah, no wonder, like less people identified as gay back when it was like like <laughs> in the po- popular culture right. to be hateful towards them no like, not just yeah, not like, just in popular culture to be hateful yeah, yes you know what i'm murder. trying to say i'm i'm mincing my words like it was up until like the 90s like when and it is still in some states like illegal like to have gay sex yeah it's yeah no Crazy. it's absurd but anyways Bring it back to <laughs> as we all yeah, yeah, yeah. as we all dismount from her <laughs> slash soapbox I just, I just, from our I yeah just, the soapbox that's on my high horse but that I'm sitting on top of. One thing that I love about Cora more so than Aang is that um or and Avatar: The Last Airbender is I think that this show like goes even deeper into some of these issues um that are different right different issues than avatar did and i think that they're both done in their own unique but equally well done ways um so all the haters can all the cora haters step up um (laughs) but as we go through the episode like you know cora and mako are looking for bolin who you know has been missing now for some time and we 
uh, Naga and Pabu meet for the first time. Love and it. you yes. get instant best friend boop. Cutest thing I've seen in all of television. That feel when you go from uh, being dinner to being best friends in <laughs> 5.6 seconds. Uh, amazing. And before we like get to the equalist uh, rally, we get this like really cool fight scene. Like, you know, the, yeah, they, they track sick. down the triads to their old hideout and it's like all disheveled and things just aren't right. And I love how Mako just comes up to the door and is like, there's usually guards outside. <laughs> and um, I think also it's like meant to say like the streets, even though it's nighttime, are very, very quiet. There's like yeah. nobody else out on these streets as they're looking. And mm. so speaking to something more sinister that's that's happening and that's taking people's attention, but they show up and like Cora is just like looks in the window and like Mako's like, what do we do? And like Cora just bust down the door. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> It's kind of like uh, Mako is like doing the whole like super secret spy like hiding <laughs> like he's like peeking he's like he's like what do yeah, we do yeah. and then Cora's just like I'm gonna just bust down the door it's it's like a D and D scene right like you're just like do do you sneak in <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. The, the rogue rolls in the rogue rolls in eighteen <laughs> stealth and then the barbarian yeah is like, yeah I'm gonna break down the door and like like literally yeah, battle cry which one hundred percento um. Aura. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> At least a, mul- a multi a multi class <laughs> <Yes>. barbarian. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, then they, that that's when they see Boleyn getting captured by these equalists in the back of a truck, and they're like, "Oh shit!" Like things are going down for real. And we get this really cool fight between uh Cora and Mako and the equalists, and they, we see like they're chi benders and that chi blockers um or chi chi blockers benders you get my drift um mm. and it's like holy shit we've evolved a long way since tylee yeah <laughs> but yeah. i want to know i want to see that um connection point right i think it'd be like really cool if somehow like you know we see with toff becoming the head of the police force and her thing with metal bending and how that's transferred to lynn who was of course her daughter so there's going to be a more direct translation but we see not just with her with lynn but through society at large and then the police force and how metal bending and all of this things that Toph has brought forward like that's fucking rad like i want to see that with ty lee i want to see how you know one of the progenitors of this art or like fighting style was then made into like this new equalist movement and i think it's also poignant because Tylee was not a bender. She was just the chi blocker. Like that was her whole deal. Um, and obviously it's now like the head of the movement. So I'm like, is there a connection between Tylee and Avant? Like, I don't know. There's gotta be something, man. Yeah. I feel like there is, I mean, like from a writing standpoint, I think there is a connection. Like the, the creators obviously used her as kind of an inspo for this, I feel like, but yeah, it would be really cool to see if Tylee specifically was, you know, like a quote unquote ancestor, so to speak, to maybe one of these people. Um, sure. Or like the Kyoshi Warriors, right? Like, I feel that there are so many, like, there's other cool connections that could be made that just build up right. the world even more. Um, 
I, I do love that Bolin is kind of this uh, damsel in distress, so to speak, and kind of reverses the roles <laughs> yeah, yeah, on yeah. that. And then um, Korra is kind of the, uh, you know, intimidator and um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not investigator. Uh, uh, in- instigator. instigator. No, uh, interrogator. That's that's the word I was looking for. Um, mm. You know, yeah, yeah. She she's bad. She's cop, bad, cop. which is normally never reserved for you know a, a female identifying character. So that's like another um, you know gender reversal. Uh, you know, kind of going a little bit back to what we were just talking about, but I I kind of enjoyed oh, yeah. that. But like Bolin. In theory, he looks like he's buff. I mean, I know he's a bender, so he probably got chi blocked. But, like, objectively, he probably could have fought his way out if he really tried. Or, you know, you know what I mean? Objectively, you know, it just... Yeah. More so than the the other guys, because they're kind of, like, high society, like, benders that they probably don't have, like, the street smarts. You know what I mean? And yeah, but Bolin's a scrapper. Yeah, like you said, a little more of a scrapper. So I'm like... He's he objectively could have maybe fought back a little more, but it seemed like he just kind of sat there and was like, oh, darn. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's actually like a scene that I wish we had gotten to see is what happened when Bolin got to the triple triads, like, you know, hangout and when they were jumped by right. the Equalist. Like, how did right. that fight go down? Mm. Well, since we don't see it, uh, and what we do see this, like, rescue attempt, like, this whole episode is about that. I have to now ask you, Josh, you are in the position to save your husbando, <laughs> numero dos. What are you going to do? Hmm. How do you rescue Bolin? Or in your world, does Bolin not even get kidnapped? Well, let's see. You were d- I mean, you were just talking about, like, I think, like, you know, he could have held his own. I find it, like, kind of sus that he just, you know, was captured. Yeah, I don't know. Well, to be honest, like, Mako seems pretty smart because I probably would not have picked up on the fact that those flyers had a map on the back or had some sort of drawing in general because he picked up, like, four, five, six of those flyers when they were, um, you know, after they interrogated the... the um uh the the rally guy um in the park in the yeah. park yeah after after Biolin gets kidnapped and they're continuing their search they go to the park cuz that's like their quickest lead and thinking about oh well Horace found that guy on the first episode going off about equalists in the park so they track him down and shake yeah. him up a little bit see i almost i almost feel differently about it wherein i i saw that and i was like i'm gonna flip over that page and see like green and a few lines and be like oh a map okay let's find some other page oh look they're different okay all right cool i gotta gotta collect all the pages and put the map together and it feels like I don't know. It feels like the cops would have fucking figured that shit out. They would have turned the map, the yeah. thing over, and seen a red dot and a couple of lines and, a, and green, and been like, "Huh? Maybe, maybe there's something to this." Maybe you're giving, we should, like, you're giving the cops. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that is fair, but the cops are are Lin Beifong, and Lin Beifong is a very respectable woman who's very smart. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but she's not the rest of the police. <laughs> she's like the chief of police. Um, yeah, 
Anyway, it seems to me it's like in these in these in these books and movies where they have like a puzzle for the characters to figure out. They always have to make it just a little bit easier right. than it would be in real life, so that like the audience can feel like they're smart too. It feels like in like in um in Ready Player One, there's a scene in the beginning of the movie where they're try- all trying to beat this race, and for like three years, nobody has been able to beat this. It's just so hard. Nobody's been able to beat this race, and. Uh, the main character uh, finds some clip of the, the creator saying, what if we just went backwards? And so he goes in reverse. And it, that, that's the secret. You got to go in reverse and then you, you win. And it's like, are you telling me in three years, the thousands, the tens of thousands of people that attempted this race every single fucking day, not a single person was like, hey, maybe I'll try backing up this time. No, somebody would have done that in the first eight fucking hours, or they would have, like, data-mined the solution, like, with programming or some shit. (laughs) Like, people are smart. And when you make something that needs to be broken, like a code that needs to be broken for people to access a thing, you have to make it really fucking hard, or else everyone's going to figure it out. Okay, but also... Anyway, that's my my tangent. You're getting off your soapbox, but you also can't, like, make it so hard. Like, you want people to find this. You want people to find it. And I think, like, Amon even wouldn't have been upset if the police had showed up. In fact, that would have been playing right mm-hmm. into his hand. Yeah, you're probably right. And they probably made it easy on purpose. They actually, like, base this, like, a f- trivia fact. Um, This whole thing about having the map hidden on the back of the flyers was a shout-out back to uh, Bryke's days back in college um, when they were going to raves. So, yeah, that's, like, something that would come in. Like, you obviously don't want to give... Like, this is before social media, really. So you had to, like, figure out how do people are going to get to raves in, like, the late 90s, like, mm, early aughts. Yeah. And, um, like, you want to give people the location without giving it away, but you also want to make it so, like, the people that you want to show up will know to get there. So that's how this whole idea of, like, the map or, like, like the secret location hidden across different flyers was, like, an idea. That's pretty cool. From... From rave culture. But Josh, going back to what you were saying about rescuing Bolin. uh... Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I probably would have eventually figured out where they were, maybe. Um, That might be giving me too much credit. Um, But, (laughs) well, I feel like if I had Korra and Mako with me to to figure it out, we would have put our heads together. But, um... But yeah, in classic, uh, classic fashion, uh, i.e., um, you know, the, the group in the first Star Wars movie where they disguise themselves to blend in with, you know, everyone to, to do a rescue mission. Um, uh, I, I love that this kind of peeks into the, the 90s aesthetic, or not 90s, sorry, 20s aesthetic, excuse me. Um, with like the kind of bucket hats and you know the um it also kind of reminds me of um the movie Anastasia to um the animated uh for the the Russian uh czar princess thing yeah, yeah. um <laughs> like that whole style too is very um 1920s esque um as well but um yeah I I'm trying to think of like what I would probably be bending if I was a bender in this world. And I feel like I would go more for the water slash ice uh, bending. But I'm also like kind of confused because I thought Mako was a firebender, but like he also bends lightning. Yeah, 
there so that's something that we learned from Avatar. So Azula, she's a like just like metal bending is to earth bending, mm-hmm. lightning bending is to fire bending. Lightning is, oh, a, is a is okay. a variant of fire bending. Because when you think about it like right, fire is just um combustible mm. things emitting energy. Lightning is just like more. Oh that, I guess than that's that. true. Yeah. Um it's like with water bending and ice bending, right? Ice isn't like oh, a sure. separate thing. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Um and then um I always thought that every every bending style should have like a secondary one. And I've always said I've said this several times on this podcast. I always always thought that air bending it should be sound bending. You should be able to like mute sound oh, because that's, sa- that's like really sound travels through airwaves. Yeah, I guess air bending doesn't really yeah. have a secondary one, right? Well, they they had a they had a hundred year gap where nobody was oh working that's on it. true. <laughs> no one was cooking up stuff for a century. Yeah, for they only have you know four. The most innovative five. thing they have is that little ball that Aang invents <laughs> to roll around. <laughs> but yeah, all that to say, I probably I don't know what I I probably would have just charged right in stupidly. Maybe I'm the himbo in this situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you're the, gonna be the big barber. Yeah, and I just kind party. of like cr- try to create a diversion to really, you know, at least save Bolin in the situation. But at least uh, Mako was smart enough to be like, "Hey, why don't you go create like a fog diversion so no one sees us?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, if I'm if I'm watching Amon single-handedly take down the leader of the triple thread triads, I'm like, this prob- this person's probably outlevels me. Yeah. We're probably probably we're probably not gonna be compatible. I'm gonna die or lose my bending if I just barge in there. I feel like I'm gonna do the same thing that Mako did. You walk into a room that's just full of these like big giant steam machines. I feel like my mind would just go to like, oh, a, a, a steam fog. Yeah. So I I think that like Mako executed the most obvious and and like out there plan, like like the most feasible plan and the most obvious one, but in a way that's like yeah, keep it simple, <laughs> stupid. Like you don't need to reinvent, right. you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Like they know that like they can't engage. So like I mean, th- this brings us to the uh, the revelation, the equalist rally, right? And they're undercover. As just pedestrians, they they can't eat, bend if they wanted to because the chi blockers took that part away. Well, they, no, I mean, they can. I think at this it point, I feel off, like they yeah. can because Korra uses the steam. Okay, okay. So it only lasts for a few hours. So mm-hmm. that's a, until this point. The equalists haven't been, you know, they've been a more of a nuisance than a legitimate threat until like our homeboy. Amon shows up and, you know, just takes away the bending of from the of the triple threat triad like in T minus thirty seconds. And it appears to be permanent. So the the way that chi blocking removes bending is wild. It just reminded me of like I bet I bet pro bending I bet pro benders have like spe- specific bending massage therapists to like help them like unlock their, their chi oh, and stuff. Oh for sure. Their chakras yeah. and yeah. 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 For sure. A bending masseuse. I'm a flesh bender. Oh <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole other thing. Um that's, so, a, yeah. that's a steamy profession. So, flesh benders. I mean, yeah, and then this awesome battle ensues and 
Cora uses her bending, like they create the steam diversion. They are able to get Bolin out. They get out by like the skin out of their teeth. And as they're escaping, like in the equalist, you're like, we're letting them get away. And Amon's like, no, let them get away. What better person to send my message that we're here than the Avatar? Yeah. like, And he knows that if some rando bender runs up and goes, oh my god, I saw Amon take someone's bending away, people are going to be like, that's bullshit. Like, why would we believe you? But coming from Korra, the Avatar, you know, it definitely has legitimacy. I, um... And and Amon's right in that in the next episode or two, he says a thing that is involved with like, if I were to kill you right now, like you'd just become yeah. a martyr. Yeah. Well, we we're, we're not going to talk about that because we're no spoilers. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not spoiling things. <laughs> I'm just saying a thing that like he expresses at some point. I this you. isn't like I'm not being like. And then Amon <laughs> took off his mask and he was Luke Luke. Uh, Luke Skywalker's <laughs> father. Oh my god! Spoiler alert! God, Zach. Um. Yeah, I'll I'll have to cut that out for <laughs> MC if she wants to um, listen to this episode. Yeah, but I I think a point that could be made that Bowling could have probably helped himself out of the situation if he was thinking clearly. All the other benders kind of go straight for Amon to like attack him or try to like take on take him head on. I, I don't really remember how well Bolin earthbends, but in theory, he could have used his earthbending to kind of, uh, like maybe catapult him across the room, or I, I don't know, just something to the effect of, uh, helping him get out of the stage area. Cause mm-hmm. he could have easily, like, you know, knocked over some people in the crowd to really kind of get out of there, but maybe I'm just overthinking it, but. I don't know. He just kind of stood there and was like, wait, uh, let's talk about this. And I'm like, oh, you beautiful, stupid boy. <laughs> it's like, hello, uh, Mr. Amon, sir. Yeah, let's, um, let's talk like, about this. I don't think so I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> Can I please present you with an I'd like to, mm-hmm, I'd like to not die mm-hmm. business card? Please take this. <laughs> Notice the kerning. I've spent a lot of time. But yeah, um... So the the steam comes and uh, creates a diversion. Amon, you know, kind of disappears into the the fog, conveniently. And uh, there's that cute bit where Korra like has to fight that big right. fight, and like Mako's like, "What well, what's going on? Where's the steam?" And then finally, she like shoves his body into <laughs> the steam machine and like fucking shoots a bunch out. And yeah, she gets she's a like, one-liner "That'll be enough." <laughs> Yeah, and Mako so. gets on stage and he's like, "Okay, Bolin, let's let's go. It's time to go." And uh, Bolin's like, "Oh my god, I love you." Bolin's like, "When am I going to get another chance to be on yeah. stage? This is my moment." Starts belting out right. a Broadway tune. And I, I will always yeah. love. But I I do find it funny that like it really does play into the damsel and the stress that Bolin's like, "Oh my god, yay!" somebody came and saved me i love you like he straight up says i love you (laughs) to his brother which is like breaking down you know the whole uh toxic masculinity etc of like of like i can't i can't say i love you to my brother you know but he's like what is this this i know right (laughs) and uh in watching this i i kind of forgot that like bolin is serving the sock the the soccer role of like comedic relief the entire time because 
until yeah. until yeah. like later seasons i feel like Sokka <laughs> is kind of also a somewhat damsel in distress 90 percent of the time <laughs> it, at yeah. least in a comedic <laughs> way you know it feels like it feels like Sokka is almost like split between Bolin and Mako. Like Mako has Sokka's like matter of fact like impatience, and Bolin has Sokka's like genuine you yeah. know, joy for life. Uh, and and his comedy yes, definitely in in incredible. And thankfully, you know, our heroes persevere. And they rescue our Fikaka damsel in distress. That's right. And, a Fikka boy. And all is right with the world temporarily. But we end the episode with Korra running to Tenzin and immediately, you know, doing exactly as Amon knew that she would and uh, says, oh my god, Amon's here and I saw him take away bending. So it was... Definitely a cliffhanger to end on. High stakes. And She's like, I also saw Bolin on stage, and he looked great. <laughs> it's the lighting didn't do him justice, but yeah, right. And right. I love how. Um, sorry to go back to Bolin being captured again, but um, babe, you're totally fine. Never apologize <laughs> for uh, you know yeah, talking right. about your bag. Um, but uh, we don't really see Bolin get harmed in any way by. By the equalists, um, you know, in theory, he got his chi blocked when he got captured, whatever. But the only time we really see him get potentially injured is when um, they're they're running away. And uh, what what's the the polar bear's name? I'm sorry, Naga. Naga. I almost said Nala, and I was Naga. like, nope, that's a uh, Lion King. Uh, yeah, wrong, wrong franchise. franchise. That's that's an that's an un, uh, unarguably attractive lion from the lion King. <laughs> sorry it's just the truth um but it's animals that make you admit that <laughs> yes right <laughs> might be um, awesome. but <laughs> you quote all the goofy movie <laughs> pretty much um but naga is like for whatever reason, Bolin is not on the back of Naga, and so and so no. she, Naga's like carrying Bolin, and he's like, "I would like to be on your back," and it's like he's just like getting like rammed <laughs> yeah, yeah. into, um, not in a sexual way. That's for me later. Ding, um, but he's he's just getting like <laughs> scraped across the 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 freaking roads of Republic City. <laughs> this rescue attempt and that's like literally the only time we see him get injured potentially well uh-huh. also um as they're escaping they're going down the the ladder him and mako and then the equalist takes out these lightning crazy oh, batons, yeah. and like you know even though they're not benders they like able to like harness this technology so they like he electrifies the fire escape and oh, they just like true. drop that's true. so and i'm like y'all probably may have experienced a little more injury than you seem to be walking away with but that's fine we're we're just gonna <laughs> get, roll with it yeah bolin straight up lands on his back i think and i'm like god damn man like yeah <laughs> yeah i'm like you had to at the minimum like broken something yeah but who knows? Maybe like the gravity is different on this planet or who something. Knows? Uh so that brings us, folks, to the end of the episode. So any final thoughts 
Um, other talking points about Boleyn that you didn't share with the class, Josh? Yeah, when we watched this episode, I was like, oh, Boleyn's not in it a lot. But it is, like, a big, a big grand, like, rescue mission to save, like, our You know, the only thing that probably would have made this, uh, episode better is if they put him in something, like, to the effect of Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi. You know what I mean? Like, like, (laughs) some, you know, that, that might, uh, you know play more into uh whether or not republic city has sex clubs or not but you know it's uh, <laughs> but yeah i mean uh thank you cabbage patch for indulging my three-hour ted talk on why <laughs> bolin is a himbo um but yeah. but yeah i mean i i love this show uh in more ways than one but uh i do particularly like that uh the avatar universe is kind of seeing a resurgence, uh, obviously since the pandemic, but you know, with the live show coming out very soon, if not already by the time this episode comes out, that you know, It'll right, be imminent, right, it should be, but um, and we won't get to comment on it right away because we're going to Disney, but we will be, yeah. you know, talking about it in various ways that we'll reveal hell later, yeah. uh, after that. Um, great. Let's do quick, uh, um, uh, it's time to, you know, strap on some dice and get on some, get on some (laughs) character sheets and, and smudge up some, some whatevers and it's time for experience points. Uncle, do you realize what this means? I won't get to finish my game. Shouldn't there be a board or some pieces or something to jangle? I won Dungeons and Dragons and it was advanced. Evil or maybe chaotic neutral? The Demogorgons! We're a deep shit. You've been shot by an arrow. Ow! Well, there'd be penalties to her experience if she acted out of alignment. Ew. This is going to be fun for you, Josh, because you guys are actually, like, playing yes. D&D now with yeah. Tina yes. and the crew. Should I get my die? <laughs> if you want to for symbolic uh, energy. Well, you'll have to send us a picture so then we can post them on social media because, not gonna lie, seeing your the cutest, adorable, baby-faced Josh when you were in <laughs> high school uh, for, on the burn before reading yes. socials made my life. Absolutely. It was incredible. So I can't, I need, I'm a little jelly and need some, like, D&D-themed content oh, absolutely. when this episode airs. So send us a picture absolutely. of your dice. <laughs> Any sketches that you've done of Bolin, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. I may or may not have drawn a few uh, and sent them if to you. If on if there's um you know uh energy to put your entire essay into written form and puts it on a Google Drive that we can just link in the show notes, you know that would be hey, really sad too. Anything is possible at this point. <laughs> the the um, your love for right. Bolin knows no bounds. So I will start. Because we're at an hour 30 and <laughs> should probably get the show wrapped. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to start and I'm going to say Mako gets my nat 20 for the episode. Just for like his investigatory skills, his knowledge of like, oh, I should go to this. I should go to Bolin stomping around and I should like give this little kid some coin and see what he knows. And like he knew just who to go to. He like really nailed that persuasion role. Ooh. Investigation was just on point. It was just a great little little moment for him. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, I'm going to give my nat 20 to Pabu for his amazing negotiation skills with Naga and becoming instant best Hell friends. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. He he rolled a no. That was Pabu's natural twenty handle animal check. <laughs> um, I would probably give my nat twenty to Cora. Uh, yeah, I know. Surprise, right? Um, <laughs> but I, I didn't choose Bolin. Um, but I would give it to Cora because uh, she obviously slayed the you know getting information interrogation. Right, that's a thing. Um, yeah. Her interrogation yeah, absolutely. Role is so so she was able to get that information quickly, and she knew where from the, from the equal, yeah the equalist uh, rally person in the park uh, was able to get what she needed and got where they needed to go. Uh, fantastic! All right, who is our Nat uh, one? Our crit fail. Who just absolutely bombed this episode? Oh, I'm gonna give mine to the um. Uh, to the leader of the triple threat triad triads. Oh yeah. Um, He's straight up <laughs> because he like they untie him and they're like, "All right, fight for your life." And he's like, "Great, I'm going to do that." And then he just gets fucking owned like instantly. Sure. I'm sorry to do this to you, babe, but um, it's going to be Bolin. It's Bolin it? for getting kidnapped. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> I'm like my well, listen. What? If you get into a car with a man named, and I quote, Shady Shin, you deserve what's coming to yeah, you. Yeah, home, a homeboy got into the car and was like, oh, you got money? You got candy? All right, let's go. Like, yeah. <laughs> right, uh, right. Yeah. The friggin' FBI sign yeah. falls off the van and it's just a, a nondescript white van. Yeah. But really, Bolin? Uh, honestly, <laughs> like, he just, and, and he gets, like, kidnapped. Like, he doesn't. I don't know. There's just so many opportunities. I feel like that if he had just taken a moment at like maybe like a split second to be like, okay, let me see if I can escape with an inch of my life instead of just standing here. Like a lot of times he's just standing there being like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm just going to take what's coming to me. It's not unlike, you know, a horror movie with like the blonde bimbo like just like oh no i'm going to trip and fall and die like <laughs> yeah so you got to you got to flash bolin tied up being like Whoa! yeah like, or unless this was really like some inception style shit and bolin intentionally knew that he was going to get kidnapped and uncover the equalist plot so this was part of his plan. All I along. mean, one could argue that, and that person might be me. Hmm. <laughs> Is this our uh, Momo secretly the Fire Lord, like for, <laughs> for this season? The jar. <laughs> Oh, it turns out Bolin is a mastermind who plans all of his uh, his cell phones perfectly, <laughs> right? Flawlessly. Um, do you have a Do you have a nat? Oh, one yeah, it, yeah, yeah. We, we have, this, have the same yeah. one. It was both mm-hmm. Bolin. Oh, it was both. I both, think we both can. Bolin, it's yeah. okay if we have the same answer. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So that's like in a in in the greatest gen when it when it when they have the same Shimoda, they just play a they play a um, double Jeopardy sound. <laughs> incredible yeah so that brings us to the end of our show folks josh queen thank you so much for this was such a fun episode coming on you've been a delight and And it's great to be back i know i only said that two episodes ago but it's great (laughs) to be back again we were like false back and then now we're actually back and it's great uh you know justin timberlake brings sexy back 
Uh, but we're bringing it sexy back 2.0 because Boleyn is in the house. So the first two episodes, we were like, man, it's great. It's hot. The sun's shining outside. It's summer. We love it. And now this episode, we're like, it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> I miss the light. I don't know how I'll <laughs> get through the next six months. Well, this has been a treat. Josh, please tell our lovely, lovely listeners where they can find you on the interwebs. Absolutely. Um, Hello, Cabbage Patch again. Um, If you forgot, my name is Josh. I am from the Super Scary Podcast here on the lovely Deus Ex Media um, uh, podcast network. Uh, I release my episodes every Monday where we talk about uh, various horror films and sci-fi films etc um i oh wait i already said i really saw Mondays. um you can find me on any uh podcast platform that you enjoy um i am also on instagram and facebook at super scary podcast and you can email me at super scary podcast at gmail.com if you so wish hell yeah and you should definitely check out all those great episodes that Josh plugged earlier. I cannot say enough how much I enjoy coming on uh, Super Scary and talking uh, at length about all of my favorite horror movies, especially The Witch. Poltergeist was also a great episode and the episode I came on for I Know What You Did yes. Last Summer, but The Witch will forever and we're, be my favorite. We're doing yeah, I think, uh, yeah, uh, definitely... Um, well, Zach has been on for the Cloverfield, uh, 10, Cloverfield. 10, uh, Cloverfield Paradise. Yeah, 10 Cloverfield, Cloverfield Lane. Lane. Yeah, I forgot Lane. which one, because yeah. there's three and they're all objectively. Yeah. Yeah. None of them are interconnected, <laughs> even though they Apparently. say they are. It's a big, big lie. Big um, lie. But yeah, so Zach has been on that one. Um, eventually, we'll probably talk about Ex Machina or another, you know, uh, alien slash space themed episode since mm. Zach and I love to dive deep in on those. I'm also a huge fan of Ooh, Follows. yeah, I, I haven't that done yet. that one yet, but I will definitely keep that in mind. It's a really good one. It is coming Great. out with a sequel, apparently. So that Oh, I did hear about that. I'm, I hope that... I don't know. I, I feel like that movie is kind of a perfect little capsule. I, I think you're gonna. Yeah, I think it's so called They Follows. That's kind of yeah. They follow. Yeah. yeah. They follow. Uh, oh, so um, friends, we are my cabbages. You know that because you're listening to our podcast. You can uh, find us on any major platform. Um, we come out uh, hopefully Fridays <laughs> uh, at some point uh, during the day on that day. Uh, every other Friday. Uh, we're also on Twitch. We're on My Cabbage Cast on Twitch. We're uh, Wednesdays at 9 EST, so check us out there. 9 uh, PM EST. Not, what did I say? You just said 9 EST. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, not <laughs> 9 in the morning. Uh, 9, 9 PM EST. Um, uh, it will sometimes be Alex and I playing Baldur's Gate, and other times it will be me, like, dying on Project Zomboid or working on a factory game or something like that. But stop on by. Anyway, folks, uh, we love you lots. Uh, I'm Zach. I'm Alex. And I'm Josh. <laughs> and this has been My Cabbages. We love you all. Peace and love. Bye. 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 Next couple of lines, but uh, then again.
Do you love to be super scared? Do you enjoy listening to hilarious hot takes on timeless classics? Well, fear not, listeners. I'm here! Welcome to the Super Scary Podcast, where we cover everything from the supernatural to the superpowered. I'm your host, Josh, a scaredy cat nerd who enjoys superhero sci-fi and horror movies way too much. Whether I'm processing my trauma from Texas Chainsaw Massacre or reminiscing on the nostalgia of Hocus Pocus, my guests and I have a hilarious time going through our favorite and sometimes not-so-favorite moments. I'm your friend till the end, listeners, because everyone's entitled to one super scary podcast. We post weekly episodes on Mondays, and you can find us at Super Scary Podcast on all the socials. See you in the afterlife, listeners. Dave X Media.